everyone. Welcome to the Can Do MS podcast. My name is Krista. I'm a programs coordinator for Can Do MS. Today, we're really excited for this podcast, which is part of our Embracing Carers series. Embracing Carers started in 2018 with podcast episodes four, five, and six. If you haven't listened to those, please make sure to check them out. Today, we're releasing two podcasts in the 2019 Embracing Carers series. This is the second of those podcasts, podcast number 12. If you haven't listened to podcast 11 yet, please make sure to go back and listen to that. For today's discussion, we'll be joining physical therapist Mandy Rorig and couple Dave and Laura as they talk about how Dave's diagnosis has changed the dynamic of their relationship over time. So with that, Mandy, please take it away. Hello, everyone. My name is Mandy Rorig. I'm a physical therapist and senior programs consultant with CanDo Multiple Sclerosis. Welcome to our podcast for the Embracing Cares podcast series. I want to, want to introduce to you all this lovely couple that we have with us today. Their names are Dave and Laura. Dave and Laura, I'm going to just dive right in and have you two tell us a little bit about yourselves how and when you both met? Well, I, I guess I'll, I'll start this off. Uh, we met back in 1988 at a uh, little gift store, a little card store in Alexandria, Virginia. And uh, it's a cool story. I, I walked into this store and I saw this woman. Now, granted, I, was, I had just turned 20. I saw this woman slash girl I didn't know. And I knew right away, I'm not kidding, I knew right away that I was going to marry that woman. The, the biggest issue, however, was, uh, well, two things. Um, one, uh, I had to ask her out. And two, she wasn't going to be my wife if she was married. Uh, so uh, I walked around this shoebox of a store for an hour trying to figure out the courage. And in the meantime, I asked her, hey, are you married? And she said, no. Uh, I just turned 17. I'm going to be a senior in high school. Um, it was a little bit weird, and uh, but it worked out really well because I found a card that said, hey, you, and on the inside it said, what's happening? So I wrote a quick little note, what would you say if I asked you out on a date? And I gave it to her. She rang it up, and I bought it, and I gave it right back to her and said, this is for you, and we've been together ever since. Dave, that's a great story. Laura, now, did you feel similarly when you first saw and met Dave? Well, I definitely knew right away that this was somebody that I could really fall for. So certainly after talking with him for a few minutes, I, I was hoping that he would, you know, do more than just simply introduce himself. And so certainly when he brought up the card and gave that to me and I rang it up and gave it back to him. I was wondering what might happen next. And so it was definitely a, a nice thing to have him hand it right back and say, no, this is for you. So that that was definitely what I was hoping for. And uh, yeah, we set a, a date for that very weekend and we've been together ever since. When, and that was, what, 31 years ago. So it's been a little while that we've been together. 31 years ago yesterday. Yeah, true. Ah, happy anniversary, one day late. Tell us a little bit about, and, and Laura, I'll let you start. Tell us a little bit about your life together before 
before your journey with MS began? Okay, well, of course, when we first got together, we were really pretty young. So um, really, once we got through the college years and got settled out here in Albuquerque together in our marriage, uh, really a lot of our experiences together were uh, going out and doing very active things together. We've always loved doing sports, everything from snowboarding to mountain biking to hiking. We've also uh, been definitely very uh, excited to travel together. We actually went on semester at sea together during my last semester of college, and that really gave us the travel bug. And so that's something that pretty much every year we'd try to scrape together money to to go on some adventure somewhere around the world. And so we definitely were a very, very active couple in terms of, of getting out and doing things and, and being very physical. So Dave, when you were diagnosed with MS, can you tell us a little bit about the symptoms you experienced and, and how that felt for you as an individual and as a couple? Well, my first sort of MS wonkiness. I noticed some things were a little bit weird when we were in Vietnam and Cambodia on some travels. And then a little bit after that, I noticed some lightning flashes in my eyes and I, I dismissed it as, okay, that's just weird. Uh, and I went to the optometrist and he said, oh yeah, you're fine. And then I was watching ESPN one fall night in 2005 and my right side just went totally numb gradually in the in the course of about a half hour and that kind of freaked me out so I would I went to the mirror and I smiled and my right lip didn't come all the way up so I figured this might be a time for me to go to the ER so I went into the bedroom Laura had gone to bed a little bit early and I just told her hey you know um, I'm just gonna run off to the ER I'll be back in a little bit and so that worked out fine. Um, the folks at the ER said, we don't think it's a stroke, but it could be MS. And that definitely wigged me out. Uh, I was uh, I was in rough, rough shape um, because, uh, yeah, it made a lot of sense. And uh, it took six months to get diagnosed. But in that time, uh, that, those first few months, I cried a lot. I lost 10 pounds, not a weight loss solution I would recommend to anyone. And it was, it was hard. It was, it was more hard mentally than it was physically. I, I still didn't have too much disability. Uh, the numbness had gradually faded away and I was quote back to normal, but I knew, I knew I was never ever really going to be normal again. And that's, and funny, when I got diagnosed officially in the spring of 2006, I had already started Active MSers, uh, which is a blog to help people stay active physically, intellectually, and uh, socially with this disease. It was, uh, it happened maybe a week before I got my official diagnosis. But I knew that train was coming, and I was as prepared as I could be to handle this disease. So Dave, you just started to touch on a little bit about how your MS diagnosis impacted your your life. So tell us a little bit more about how it did change your change your world personally and professionally. 
Well, at the time, I was just launching a car magazine, and that was pretty unfortunate because this was right before the big economic downturn. Uh, but that la- you know, so that lasted maybe six, seven, eight years. But I had always worked from home uh, since even the mid '90s. Shortly after I got out of out of uh, college, uh, I haven't had a, a regular quote full time job in decades, and. Uh, Initially, the disease didn't, I guess, floor us because everything kind of clicked along as usual. I was taking daily shots. Um, We had to make some modifications to our travel plans, but nothing too, too significant. It wasn't until pretty much the the spring of 2009 when things got a little more aggressive and my MS... Uh, got gnarly, and I started to use a cane, and then things got pretty bad, and then I was using a walker, and I was I was struggling, and uh, and, and Laura was was there the whole way, trying to help me through all this stuff, and there was there's there was one time when I was so frustrated, uh, I went out of my way to change my hairstyle because I thought I don't know. Uh, perhaps stupidly, that if I shave my head, uh, it might give me some good luck. Uh, and the only thing it did is is make my poor wife just look at me and say, "Okay, now you're really looking sick." Uh, but uh, uh, it was it was a big it was a big challenge for me at that point. So, Laura, other than other than Dave's haircut, how how did his symptoms? How did they impact you? How did they make you feel? I'm sure that diagnosis really rocked your world also. Yeah, certainly right when he got that diagnosis, I I can still picture the doctor's office and her telling us uh, that, yes, in fact, it was a mess. And, and I just remember feeling like I was going to pass out, just really having no idea what that was going to mean for our future. And so certainly, you know, it, at first it was, it was a very scary diagnosis. And uh, soon after that, I mean, in the first few months, again, as David mentioned, uh, really his symptoms weren't redefining our life too much in the first several months to a couple of years. So we just had to make some accommodations in terms of, you know, exactly what physical activities we might do or you know, he'd need a, a little assistance with this or that, but but nothing too serious. And so that really was was fairly easy to work around for, for a little while, not too scary. But then eventually, you know, once he started having to walk with a cane and then with uh, crutches and then with a walker, you know, clearly it got uh, more frightening. And... Um, we had to make a lot more adjustments in terms of what we did as a couple for our, you know, daily activities and, and in terms of how we split our duties at home and, and, you know, housework and also of course what we went out to do together for fun. Uh, We had to really adapt, you know, our physical activities and say how we, we could still figure out how to do some of them such as biking, but, uh, it was certainly a, you know, we had to change exactly how we did things together. And and 
certainly as his disease has progressed, unfortunately, we have had to make more changes. And so, of course, I've taken over uh, more of the physical duties that, uh, you know, he used to do around the house. But but we just, we figure it out. We see what needs to be done. And as things change, we figure out how we can adapt things and, and make it work and move forward. I I I will I would like to add that before uh things got more aggressive we definitely got more aggressive on the travel side of things and so we just accelerated some of our more aggressive travels so we ended up going to New Zealand and to Bhutan and to Thailand and to places that we really wanted to go to before things got too too hard for me and we just put the accelerator down and went and just went for it uh we also went to morocco and to oh uh, yeah well all all over all over the world really so it got it was uh, we we figured let's take advantage of our opportunities while we have them so now that your ms is more involved, it sounds like. Can you tell us, Dave, a little bit more about those symptoms and how the day-to-day -day life has kind of changed for you guys? Uh, sure. Um, I think uh, nowadays I use a wheelchair uh, pretty much full-time. I still gimp around on a walker, uh, some at home, but for the most part, it's in a wheelchair. And I ride my hand bike uh, I would, or my arm bike pretty much uh, two to three times a week. Last year, I rode it 150-something days out of the year, and that's kept me really physically fit. I also work out on other days that I don't ride at home or at the gym, and so that part of me has kind of remained the same. Uh, I've always been really active, and our travels also have remained, quote, the same. But, uh, uh, but as far as day in, day out, Laura now helps me a lot with uh, uh, probably all of my regular duties have been shifted. Uh, and, and that really came to a head oh, a, a number of years ago when I was killing a spider and I was successful and I was so proud of myself and I bent down to clean it up and then I slipped on the floor, spilled over backwards, cracked my head on a wall and ended up with uh, staples in my skull. So that did not go how I planned it to go and now Laura is the spider killer and spider cleaner upper and she is not thrilled. Yeah, I thought that was kind of an extreme <laughs> way to make sure that I took over that particular bug killing duty. I, I thought that was a little over the top. But it was effective. It was very effective. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some other examples for day-to-day -day life? Um, that, that maybe some other examples of shifting roles, maybe with cooking or other household duties. Well, the, the kitchen is probably our biggest transformation because I used to be the chef of the house. I would cook all the meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner. She would occasionally uh, boil an egg on the weekends. Uh, but <laughs> Maybe a bit more than that, but go ahead. 
<laughs> but, but ultimately, yeah, so I, I would take out the trash and I would do uh, all the little things, empty the dishwasher, uh, put everything away. And now, yeah, uh, we share our kitchen duties. Um, I, I'll uh, prepare some food, but she'll get all the food out. Uh, she's a better caretaker of fish than I am. And she does all the grocery shopping. I used to do all the grocery shopping. Uh, I still do some chopping. I'm still a decent chopper, at least if I'm not, my arm isn't too tired from cycling. And it it works out well, but it's still still really frustrating because I was super chef. I was going to be little top chef Dave, and instead I'm kind of like mediocre chef Dave. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with it okay. But one thing I do still do is I definitely load the dishwasher because Laura cannot load that thing worth a dang. <laughs> yeah, we, tr we still try to divide duties to play to his, his strengths and his, you know, the things that he can still do so that we make sure that it's not just me kicking him out, kicking him out of the kitchen saying, okay, you can't do this anymore. We, we do try and make sure that he still does the things that he can do. And that includes, like you said, the chopping and, and he's very good at supervising. So he's very good at telling hey. me exactly how I should cook and exactly how I should flip this and, and boil that, those kinds of things. Um, and then, yeah, as far as the dishwasher, for example, he'll put everything in the dishwasher because he doesn't particularly like the way that I do it, which I am fine with that. And then often he'll actually take things out of the dishwasher when they're done and put them on the counter. And then I'm the one that'll go around and, and actually put everything back where it belongs, you know, up in the cabinets and, and down below and, and places that he can't easily reach or if he just can't carry something very easily across the kitchen or if it's heavy then then that's my duty to take care of that sort of thing it sounds like you guys have developed quite quite a, a team though like you've identified each other's strengths and weaknesses and you help each other out with getting the job done if you will but yeah we're like the we're like the people. wonder twins activate yeah <laughs> go ahead laura I Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I think it's good for him, you know, physically and mentally to help still contribute in any way that he can. And it's good for me, too, not to have to try and do everything when I know there's still some things that he's perfectly capable of doing. And, you know, so he still gets to contribute to the, the household and I get a little bit of a break on this and that. And we just have to make sure that it's those things that will not cause him to injure himself like falling over picking up a spider so so you know you just gotta <laughs> find the the right duties and the right distribution of of things setting up for success that's right but yeah. but it's easy it's easy to to look back now i suspect and and realize that you've made these shifts and these changes but for some people with ms it's really hard to ask for help um, and, and Dave, do you mind just sharing kind of that evolution that you've had, maybe learning to ask for help, um, learning to ask Laura to do things for you that you were perfectly capable of doing in the past? Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? It was, it was really hard at first. Um, when I was cycling on a regular bike and I had a bout of optic neuritis, it made it really hard to see, so I couldn't cycle on my own. 
but I can see I could see well enough so I could see my my wife's uh, back and her bike if I was right behind her. But if she got out of my sight, then I, I couldn't see her. So I needed someone with me to bike. And so she would bike ahead of me just a little bit and I would follow her. And if we needed to pass other people on the trail or avoid an obstacle, she would holler back and say, hey, we've got a stick or we've got uh, some cyclists, let's pass and then cut back in. I mean, literally, I would not see someone riding toward me until they were right on top of me. It would have been an accident waiting to happen. And thankfully, she was able to help me through this stuff. And that, and that was kind of the start of me starting to rely more and more on her for assistance. And now, yeah, she's, I, I couldn't, I really honestly couldn't do it without her because she has been, she's been the, the ideal care partner for, for me. And I, I'll, I'll say probably the, the most extreme example of caregiving was when uh, I was taking part in an NIH clinical trial and got a stem cell transplant. This was back in 2010 to kind of hopefully slow down some of this uh, MS progression, which it did. Um, but during that time when I was in the hospital for three weeks, every minute she was with me except for bathroom breaks. She slept with me. Uh, she took care of every single thing. And when I passed out, sitting up in a chair, she was the one that screamed and got the nurses to come in and help me write myself. Uh, it, was, it was a really trying time, and she saved my life. Well, and if I might add, kind of going back to your original question about these uh, changes in roles and asking for help, you know, people should realize that, that a lot of these things don't happen overnight. So it does take a little bit of time to recognize that eh, maybe this isn't going so well anymore in terms of performing this task, and maybe there's a need to adapt here, and it might in some cases mean not doing that task anymore and handing it off to somebody else, or it just might mean thinking about a different way to approach it. So as an example, it's not, not exactly an example of asking me to help, but but one example is that obviously at some point David felt that he had to stop driving a regular car, but that didn't really happen overnight. You you gradually realize that mm, not really as good at this as I used to be. And so for a while he didn't drive at all, but then we came to the realization that, hey, if we put hand hand controls in the car, then that really is something that that he can do, he can drive with the hand controls and that gives him a lot of independence back on something that he had relied on me completely to take him around town. And I was happy to do that, but at the same time, you know, we were able to come up with a solution that allowed for him to do more for himself and take a little bit of the pressure off of me. And, and again, that wasn't something that happened overnight. That was something that we realized over time that, oh, you know, this is a way that we can adapt this and, and it'll, it'll really improve uh, the way that, that uh, you know, things are going for him and, and for me in terms of getting some things done. It is difficult at times, though, I would suspect to balance that ability to allow Dave to have his independence 
but at the same time keeping him safe, right? And insisting on helping him when it's necessary. Do you guys have any other examples about when you kind of struggle with that help, asking for help balance in your partnership? Well, that is something that definitely you have to develop over time. So it might be that I'm the one to realize watching him try to do something that he's struggling with it and he's doing his best, but perhaps it's something that it would be, you know, easier for both of us if I was to take that particular thing over. And obviously when it's a matter of safety, that's definitely something that, that I should take over. And, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as, for example, he mentioned earlier that now he does pretty much all of the, the chopping in the kitchen, but there's a lot of other things that he doesn't do. But there are times when I'll see him struggling with the chopping because he just came back from a bike ride. And, you know, he might still want to help, but I'll go, okay, honey, it looks like you're a little tired today. Let me go ahead and take over that duty right now. And, you know, tomorrow you can go back to, to being my sous chef, but for right now, let's, let's go ahead and, and hand this off. And, and sometimes it's the other way around and he's the one to realize, you know, I'm, I'm just really not feeling it today, honey. Can you do this one thing that, that normally I would do, but it would be better if you can take it over for the moment. And, and so we just, you know, work as a team like that and realize that people have good days and bad days and you just adjust as need be. There was a there uh, there was there was one time when uh, again you know I, I I'm stubborn and I try to do things on my own as much as I can and we were at a concert together at a winery and there was a little step and when I say little step it was maybe uh, at most a couple inches but it was a drop off and. I had to use the bathroom, which happens when you have MS, you know, the urgency thing. So uh, I figured, you know what, I'm a big boy. I can do this on my own. I don't need my care partner for this one thing. I'll give her a break. So I went over it backward, and then everyone gasped when I clunked over, um, and uh, Laura was not very pleased because she was in line for the bathroom, and she heard the noise. And there was her husband on the floor. And of course, I knew right away as soon as I heard the kathunk and all the commotion. I'm like, oh, what did my husband do? I left him alone for two minutes. <laughs> but, you know, these things happen. So he learned, we both learned from that experience. So I make absolutely sure he doesn't have to go to the bathroom <laughs> if I'm going to leave him alone and go to the bathroom myself. <laughs> and if there's any chance, he might need to go, I'll just, you know, take him with me, especially if there's any sort of obstacle that he might need to clear on his own. <laughs> and he tries not to do those sorts of things by himself if there's a possibility that he could get hurt hopefully he will ask me or even ask somebody else to give him a little bit of assistance rather than just saying ah i'm sure it'll be fine when it might not be so fine and and for me uh yeah that's uh, the the three big issues for me are uh, my walking and my spasticity and um you know, the the bathroom department. I mean, I, I don't, on a scale of one to five, my bathroom issues are low, but they're 
always there, and it drives me bonkers. Um, but uh, she has learned to be very, very patient with me and my 15 minutes it usually takes me to use the bathroom. And it does change how we do things uh, just because I don't usually leave the house early in the morning. Uh, let's go a little bit later. And if I do need to use the bathroom, if there is an available bathroom, I never pass it up. And Laura is smart enough and patient enough to wait for me and encourage me to go use the bathroom before we need to drive anywhere because she knows we're going to be late if I don't get my button gear. And she's, she's good at keeping me on task, at least in that department. I try. You guys do a great job of helping each other and keeping each other in check. So you've talked a lot about your relationship with one another and how the roles have shifted and how you've really developed this teamwork to help you guys manage the challenges of MS. Do you mind sharing a little now about how MS has impacted your relationship as a couple and, and the relationships that you have with your friends? Sure. So as far as our relationship as a couple, as things have progressed, we've definitely just, again, adapted to what we do together. I mean, we've fortunately always enjoyed a wide variety of activities together from, you know, all the outdoor activities that we used to do a little bit more of to just simply going out for a nice meal or watching a movie together. And so we might do a little bit more of the, the indoor activities than we used to. We still find a way to get out and, and say, do our bike riding together. And, and David also has a, a special wheelchair he can use on sort of off-road types of trails so we can go on sort of hikes together. And of course, just strolls around the neighborhood. And so we can find ways to get out and, and do those kinds of things together. But then we do, uh, you know, more of the the uh, easy kind of date nights <laughs> indoors, maybe a little more of that than we used to. Um, as far as our friends go, we've, we've been very, very lucky with our friends who a lot of them have uh, been friends with us for a really long time. They've seen things change over time and they completely understand you know what David's going through and what both of us are going through as a couple in terms of the things that we can still do with them that we might do before and some of the things that we really can't do with them anymore like some of some of the folks that we used to go say snowboarding with a lot um, either for example we'll go to uh, you know a a cabin up in the mountains together and David is willing to just kind of hang out in the cabin and and enjoy a little time to read and and you know maybe do some some of his website work while I go off and and go for a few hours of snowboarding with our friends and then we'll all come back and have dinner together and enjoy the evening together uh, we also have uh, our friends will even if we go over to their house and they have steps to get in the house, they're willing to come out and help me carry him over the steps into the house. Uh, we also have friends that are willing to bring food over to our house and cook at our house because they know it's just easier for us to stay here. David has, uh, you know, really nice access to all the rooms and the bathroom in our house and the kitchen. 
And so they'll bring over food and we'll just make food together over at our house and enjoy an evening here instead of uh, going out to another place that, you know, where maybe we would have gone in the past. Dave, how does that make you feel? Uh, how does it make me feel? It makes me feel really fortunate that I've got such such great friends who will go out of their way to to help us out. And I mean, it it's it's frustrating, but I got my head wrapped around uh, living with a disability a while back, and uh, when. Uh, when things get bad, I try to remind myself that I've, I've done this before and I can keep on doing this. I just need to keep making changes. And I don't like to make changes, but it's, it's necessary. And like with our, with our, recent, uh, our recent travel tendencies are more now to, uh, to go on ships because they tend to be pretty darn accessible. And if a certain port isn't accessible uh, or has limited bathroom, accessible bathroom uh, access, I mean, the, the bathrooms in Russia really are not very accessible, even the handicapped ones, uh, but some are, um, but you just never know. And so it's nice to have uh, a floating uh, dock or a, a floating station that you can go to where you know you're going to be able to take a shower every night. Um, so th- yeah, things uh, it, it's it, it, it's frustrating, but at the same time, I, I don't let it. I, I try not to let it bother me too much because I know I've got a lot of friends with this disease, and we're all working at different ways that we can keep on doing what we love to do and. Uh, yeah, uh, we have to change, but uh, working together with Laura, uh, we can still do a lot of what we have loved to do ever since we got together 31 years ago. Yes, yeah, so we try and focus so, on those things that we can do and try not to focus on the things that we can't do. And again, cases like going on a cruise with friends or family that means that everybody can do what they're what they want to do to their level of ability and there are times when you might go your separate ways to do certain things but then you can always get together on the ship to you know have a meal or you can go off on on certain uh, travels together on shore, but maybe not other ones. But again, there's ways to adapt and make sure that everybody gets to do things that they like to do and, uh, you know, get to do plenty of things together still. So in closing, I'll start with you first, Dave. What specific advice would you have for other couples who are trying to maintain a balanced and loving partnership in the face of this disease? I guess I would start with communicate. Communicate with each other because if you need help and you don't say that, uh, you're going to look real stupid when you hurt yourself. I've done that too many times. And uh, at the same time, uh, I need Laura to communicate with me when I'm sloughing off. And I do. I think we all do. I, I sometimes take her for granted and while I'm sitting watching baseball and 
dinner's getting made. I'm like, well, this is a pretty nice life. I think I'll have a beer. That doesn't usually go over that well. I need to assist. I need to do my part. So uh, she just needs to sometimes remind me. Uh, I'm usually decent, but not always. Laura, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, I I think it's definitely good for both people to always have a little bit of patience. There are times when you're going to have to step back and say, okay, uh, maybe one of us is needs to adjust things today or moving forward and just, you know, take a step back and uh, adapt however is necessary. And, and again, just have patience with it. Not everything has to adapt overnight. And you can, again, communicate with each other and talk about the things that you're feeling and the things that you need. And in some cases, it might be that he needs more help from me. And in other cases, it might be that I need a little more support from him in in some kind of way, whether it's doing a few of the things that that he's that I know that he's capable of doing, or if it's just providing some emotional support that day, or if it's uh, both of us saying, yeah, we're not going to do this one thing today. We'll put that off until uh, a day when we're both feeling a little more up for it. Of course, uh, it's always important to to just go ahead and and be open to the idea that things are going to change and you're going to have to make some adaptations and and just go with it and talk about how you can move forward and and do that together. I also think you need to remember to say please and thank you. I mean, those are little things, and you might be with your caregiver or care partner and you might know each other really, really, really well. Uh, that that doesn't matter. Still remember to say thank you and please uh, because uh, that water glass, that pint of beer isn't going to refill itself. And when it when it does and your partner helps you, acknowledge that. That's love right there. <laughs> thank you for a beer, honey. That is the sign of love. And some Cheetos. I had to get my Cheetos thing in there because, yeah, I like beer and I like Cheetos. But I don't, I don't overindulge in either one. Moderation is the key. That's what I say. <laughs> so patience, communication, love, and hydration. Those are the keys to a successful, loving partnership. You guys have been absolutely fabulous. Thank you for sharing your stories and speaking so authentically and honest with our audience. Thank you so much, Dave and Laura. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you to both Dave and Laura for joining us today. We really appreciate you being open to sharing your experiences together as you navigate life with MS. And of course, thank you to Mandy as well. This podcast is part of the Embracing Carers series, an initiative led by EMD Serono in collaboration with leading caregiver organizations around the world to increase awareness and action about the often overlooked needs of caregivers. Be sure to check out the Embracing Cares page on our website, cando-ms.org. Thank you for joining us.